name's Joe. Um, just want to share some more practical hints, tips, helps for you as a worship leader. Uh, many of you might be in a similar situation to me. I, at my current church, I've been with it, uh, Grace Church now for um, 11 years and still going. When we started, we were a very small congregation, about uh, 50, 60 on a Sunday morning. And it's grown to where now we're uh, over 300 people in a Sunday morning service. But through the years, we've learned to do worship really well. Uh, not like the uh, more bigger Pentecostal churches, uh, the Hillsong image that people have, that works for many churches. Uh, we don't pursue that style. It doesn't work for our kind of church. Um, but we still want to do music excellent. We still want to do worship in a way that engages the heart of people so that our worship to God is uh, um, inspiring us to give Him glory and honor. It shouldn't be bland. It should never be bland. So the worship experience of saying, hey, I, me and you in, a, in the church get to do this together, lifting our voice in song to God. But there are things that help us do that. And uh, in the previous session, I mentioned how God is revealed oftentimes with worship as part of the one who made creation. That it, it says, look up and consider the wonders of God. So looking and seeing great things like the night sky of creation moves us to worship. And I believe in the same way, if you do worship well in your church, it moves people to worship God. It makes it easier for us to engage. And that's important. If you do music and it sounds bad, if it's bland, if you're singing the same old song for so many years and there's nothing fresh in there, um, you know, it's, it's a, it creates resistance. It doesn't engage us. And as in a worship setting, you know, people have busy weeks and then they come to church and they want to worship God, but there's all this busyness in their mind. And you've got to create a space where people can worship God. And that's what we try and do Sunday mornings with our worship service. So here's some practical points that I want to share with you. First one being that um, worship should be uh, songs that are singable. So when people sing easily, it's easier to worship God. So if, it's, if the key is too high or it's too low, it makes it harder. So songs in church should be in a key that's kind of general for most people to sing in. If you use a recording, if you listen to live streaming tracks, pre-recorded studio tracks, typically they're in a higher key than the average person can sing. So I want to encourage you, always make sure the songs are singable for general voices, uh, not just the one super voice you might have in your band that can sing really high, because then people can't sing, like most people can't sing high. So Tone it into a key, bring it down into a key that would be easily singable for most people. Very important to do that. And sometimes there's a bit of trial and error. I've had times where when at home I've transposed the song up or down um, and it felt good at home. But when I got to church and we sang it as a team, it just wasn't working. And then we have to make adjustments. So we, we are it's trial and error and we are making adjustments as well. Um, many... Uh, weeks ago, we had to move our uh, church meeting to a different building because we rent an uh, auditorium at a university. So this one Sunday, that our usual building wasn't available and we needed to go to a different uh, venue. But this new venue we had that day, 
um, had seatings with tables for students, which meant that folks couldn't stand because you, know, you had to move your chair in under the table just to sit down, and it was a bit of a squeeze. So we realized people are going to have to sit for the whole service and not even stand for one of the songs. So uh, I remember saying to people as we started the service, you know, this is a situation you won't be able to stand, but stand on the inside. And that's part of worship is that no matter... Um, you know where we're at we want to have people be moved on the inside even if you've had a busy week on the insides engage with God and even if you're sitting you know let your um, insides lift God up some people lift their hands on the outside and I do too it's a beautiful expression but others do it on the inside so whether we express outside or inside uh, worship God is the focus of what we do now, another thing that I found helpful, a practical tip to make worship easier for people to engage with is to make sure that the screen um, is you know, utilized. I, I absolutely believe in visuals. I'm an artist, so I believe in using color and using um, you know, big fonts with dark edges around them so it stands out and it's easy to read. Um, so... I, we use um, a program called ProPresenter, highly recommended. Um, I'll even put a link for it in the description if you want to check it out. We've used Easy Worship in the past, also a great program. But um, for us, using a Mac and uh, ProPresenter has just worked wonders and it's streamlined our uh, technical stuff, the videos, everything is just working beautifully. There's lots of programs out there, um, that, but get a good program that works well. And uh, we use Macs because we found that using a lot of video and video backgrounds, it's stable, it doesn't crash, it doesn't want to update Sunday morning when the church service starts. Uh, which we had with our PCs, unfortunately. But um, that said, uh, You'll see there on the screen that there's an image of our church service where we have this big visuals on the wall, but big fonts, black, dark outlines. It just stands out so much better. And in our church at the moment, people sit uh, probably 20 rows deep. So the people at the back need to be able to see the font of the words easily as well. I recommend putting four lines per slide now some might do six but if you put too many and it's small it starts to read like a document you know like a legal document and it's very uh, uninspiring so make it less is more let there be what they call white space around the font so lots of space around the font for the eye to rest um, big font and then what we also like to do at our church we have we use imagery um, we love using nature imagery uh, because we're in a closed building. Um, I know a lot of churches have closed building where there's it's dark and there's a stage and they use lighting um, to create mood and color and you know, like a cinema effect. And that works you know, great. Uh, we, I personally would love it if I was in a church and there were glass on the sides and you could look out and there's trees and, and scrubs and bushes and flowers and you could even see the blue sky beyond because uh, I believe nature is just a marvelous thing to connect us to God. So one of the ways that we get to work around being in a closed building is our imagery on the screen um, has uh, nature imagery, some static photos that's not too busy. But then we also have moving imagery, but we use a lot of nature imagery and that helps us to just be reminded of the, the scope of God, not just in a building, but out there, out there in the world. 
Um, one, another thing that I also do when I lead worship, I'd be mindful of the team that's playing. Now, if you have a big team, you might have different musos on different days. And there's some songs that, you know, listen, this one bass player can play that difficult lick in the song that we need to make the song work. And then I would, um, if I want to play that song, I'll wait till that bass player is playing and then choose that song. So that's important. You've got to be mindful of your own skill level, but also the skill level of the team around you and choose songs that the team can pull off. Again, trial and error. We've had it at times where we had no drummer and we have to make do without a drummer. We have, you know, we have our guitar that I play percussively and a pianist, keyboard, bass player and vocalist. No drummer. And then some songs sound great on the recording, uh, you know, with the full band playing. But when we played, it fell flat. We, we couldn't make it work. It needed that extra groove that only the drums uh, gave. Uh, a song like uh, that the Getty um, played, uh, Facing a Task Unfinished. You know, it's got Tom's fills in it and it carries the song along. Now, we played that without those drums. It was fine, but it just doesn't lift without drums. Other songs work fine without drums. So I'm just always trying to be mindful and discerning with what instruments do I have and can they carry the song. As a guitar player, there's some songs that are just really easy to pull off on guitar. Others you need piano. Others you really need drums with it. So we are discerning and mindful about those things, but of trial and error as well. It's no, it's never a problem to try something and then afterwards say, you know what, maybe that didn't work. Let's tweak it and change it for next time. Um, now on the screen as well, you, you can see there's another example of font um, standing out as contrast, you know, the white on a darker background but again here you see it was a nature image that we used and it was appropriate because it says the lord's my shepherd uh in light makes me lie in pastures green so in the background there was green pastures was appropriate for that so highly recommend make use of technology um and art and photos that are available to you and if you if you're a worship leader and you uh, are not good with art, you don't have an eye, a feel for it, get a team member that can do those things for you. Um, there, God, in the congregation, there will always be people that would have a feel for art. Now, if you have someone working the PowerPoint and they don't have a feel for it, the pictures are just not appropriate and they, they don't sense what colors go well together. They, they're not using contrast. They just don't have a, they're doing it because they love serving and they want to be a part of the church and make a contribution, but they're not a person with an eye for art and design. That's a problem. And then you got to you know, say, well, how can we change that? Can we bring another person alongside that has an eye for the visuals? And this person can maybe be more of, the, you know, the tech support or changing the slides and setting it up and working it. But someone who builds the visuals gets someone who's got a good eye and feel for art and design. Very important. Uh, a big, it makes a big difference. So uh, other people sometimes ask me, um, how often do you repeat songs or how often should you introduce new songs into a worship setting? Now, in our church setting, we typically have four, maybe five songs on a Sunday. 
and uh, on the screen you'll see an example uh, that was done 2018 last year where there's four songs in red you'll see there's two up front um, then there's one in the offering and then a fourth one to close the service with now your church might have six songs or three songs doesn't matter the fact is that you want to have the bulk of your songs be familiar to your audience because if it's all new they are listening learning the song um, so make the bulk singable for people and on their uh, on our services we try and have something that's maybe older in the sense that most people would know it because it's an older song um, you see how great thou art was a hymn and then we should be wrapped up with shine jesus shine that's also something that's been around for so long everyone knows it well but then up front uh, we had a new-ish song thank you lord which was uh, something we had taught our church some weeks before so it was a newer song up front and people loved the song it worked and we th we just could hear them enjoy singing it and then we had some 23, which was a newer version of Psalm 23, Stuart Town End, Psalm 23, a newer version, beautiful, and folks love singing it. So mix it up. There should be newer and older, but not old in the negative sense, old as in yeah, yesteryear. No, older as in the familiar sense for the church. Um, there's another one um, that on the screen we had uh, a step by step, which is a, a song everyone knows. And then we had the newest song, Facing a Task Unfinished. I've mentioned that before. Now, we played it with a drummer at the time, and then it worked. And then another time, our, our drummer left our church. Um, and then we tried to play it again, and it just didn't work without the drum. So we parked it, and, um, and we, we're not using it at the moment until we get a drummer again. So again, trial and error. But that was a newer song. And then um, in the, uh, the offering, we were teaching the church uh, the song for the cause, also by the Gettys. So that was new in the offering, because in the offering people are seated while the bags go around, and we would say, we're going to teach you a new song. Sometimes I put a familiar song in the offering, while the bags go around, they are seated, but I would try it towards, let's say, the last bit of the song, maybe you know, verse three ending chorus i would the bags are just about done i would say to folks let's stand as we sing this last bit so i'm um, there playing singing but a bit of a uh, you know hanging in the music while i'm just strumming the guitar I, I, I wouldn't continue to verse three i would just say while strumming hey folks let's stand as we sing this last bit of the song the reason being that after this comes the sermon so folks have been seated uh you know for the, the bit that went before ministry slot or an elder installation, they seated for the offering and they're going to be seated for the sermon. Long time to be seated. So breaking it up that they stand for that last bit of the song just gets the blood uh, circulating again, moves the body, and it's like you're refreshing them just before the, you get to the sermon. Other times when um, you know, we maybe played a video in the offering, and folks couldn't stand just before the sermon, I found that I could break it up by just saying, you know, the video's done. Hey, folks, we're going to uh, be looking at this passage today for the sermon, but let's stand as I lead us in a word of prayer. It's not something I do all the time. You know, you vary it, but it's another way of just getting people to stand up and then sit down again for the sermon part so that people are you know, freshly focused on what's ahead. Something else that's really practical. There on the screen, you'll see a typical lead sheet that we've downloaded for the song All I Once Held Dear by Graham Kendrick, a beautiful worship song. And um, 
that's a piano player and a flute player. People would love to read the notes and this is helpful. But for us um, guitarists and bass players, you know, we can use those sheets, but they, my eyes aren't that good anymore. And it's a really small and fine print. So I've found over the years, if I have a chord sheet, a basic chord sheet that follows the same structure as the leech, it's exactly the same, but that helps my eyes focus. Um, in that I glance at the lyrics. I only need the chords. I don't need the notes because I know the melody. But as a guitar player, I only need the chords. And so I create chord sheets and I do them in color. I love color. Um, but there on the screen, you'll see that my verse, uh, you know, it's in red and then the chorus is in blue and the next verse is in red again. So it, just the blue red is distinguishing uh, easily for my, if I glance down, I know where I'm at. I can go to the chorus straight away because sometimes I know the song. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with the chord structure, but here and there, I just want to uh, be reminded, okay, what comes next or, um, where's the chorus or what's the next line? So having big words with colorful fonts, that helps me. Happy to share the, the, these chord sheets with you. If you'd like them, just email me and I can share them with you. Um, but there you go. Uh, something else in our church settings that we've done before. Um, and we do it very, very respectfully, very tactfully, very carefully is to tweak lyrics of a song for our congregation. Here's an example. It's a beautiful song by Don Moen and Paul Belosh. Uh, Thank you, Lord. Our church loves singing it. But as we go through the song, there's a line in there that biblically, theologically is fine. It's fine. It's not wrong. But in our church setting for where we were at, it wasn't translating well. Um, so I know that in typical Pentecostal churches, they would be big on the God is my healer um, topic. As a reformed pastor, I also believe God is my healer, but I also know that God is sovereign. And I know that um, disease and suffering is not um, something that we can get away from. Everyone dies. Everyone would experience disease and suffering in their life. And sometimes God intervenes miraculously and he heals. Sometimes he uses doctors and he heals. Uh, but even if you're healed, another time if you're older, you will also experience death. So um, we know from Scripture that the whole of creation groans because of the, the curse of sin and death. And Jesus does redeem us from that curse in the end. But while we journey on this, this planet, you know, on earth, in, our, in our, this life, we will experience disease and suffering. And some people are struggling with that. And to sometimes I just find that to simply say, yeah, you're, 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 you have this disease and maybe for years you're struggling, but God's your healer. Um, it's probably not the best way to just say it unless you can unpack it. He's a healer in the end. He heals our bodies when we are raised again for new life in Christ. We'll all be perfect. No more sickness, disease, suffering in the new heaven and earth. But in this world, what if people are suffering? What if they are experiencing hardship? Then the scriptures can also comfort. And Psalms is full of that, where there's groaning, there's lament, there's complaining. And our songs need to have that in there as well. Now, in our, our church, we had a, a family that were... Um, going through some years of seeing their beloved um, father, husband, uh, struggling with cancer. Now we prayed for healing. And God, in a way, answered the family's prayer because this man was given a few months to live and in the end lived for four years, which is something we celebrated. 
But that was ongoing with the help of doctors and there was easier times and harder times. So we changed that line in the song so that we could have even this family dealing with the sickness, sing it with us and not feel guilty because I'm sick and I'm not healed. Because that's what happens sometimes. So we changed that uh, slight wording uh, in the song. And um, I want to actually just make it bigger so I can read it for you. So there's on the screen, you'll see it. It says there, underlined in red, the original song, You Took My Sickness and Healed All My Pain. Now, in the big scheme of God's recreation, Revelations 21 22, that is absolutely true. But it's not always true here and now in this world. So that's why we changed it. And we changed it to, um, you took my sin and my shame by your blood. I'm cleansed and I'm saved. Fits beautifully in the song. Still doctrinally, absolutely correct. And we are now saying in the biggest scheme, God, thank you for cleansing me of my sin disease. So I hope. Uh, if ever they hear about it, they're not offended by it. It's just, uh, we want to sing this song and it's reported in our CCLI uh, that we've sung this song. They get the credit for it. But in our instance, we tweaked one line. And I think sometimes you have to do it. Another example is where some of our songs um, have a lot of thee and thou in it. That's fine. Some churches really like that old King James style English. Um, we've just found that it doesn't always translate well with uh, younger folk or immigrants. We have a lot of immigrants in our church and English for them is a second language. So they speak another language and English. So we wanted to make the English accessible and easy for everyone. And so we changed the thou to you, you God, thou God, you God. Either way is fine. You got to just do what works for you. But it was easier for us to change those small words and make them more singable for our congregation. I'm going to wrap things up. Uh, I love this verse. If you're a muso, underline this verse in your Bible. Put your name to it. I've got a little music note and a guitar, a little uh, doodle I, I, I made next to this in my Bible. Psalm 144 verse 1 says, Praise be to the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for war, my fingers for battle. David wrote that and uh, I'm sure he also meant that in a, a physical way because David was a warrior king. But I also see a spiritual angle to it in that with my instrument that I play, I can do warfare, spiritual warfare, uh, singing God's praises, proclaiming his, his greatness in a dark world through song. And uh, these fingers do that. My weapon of choice is the guitar. I will sing a new song to you, my God. On the ten-stringed lyre, I will make music to you. To the one who gives victory to kings, who delivers his servant, David. So may you be blessed and inspired as you serve God in your setting. And as I said, just improve things in your setting that little bit. It makes a difference in the end. And like me, I hope you can continue growing as we just make our worship services that more inspiring than they were before.